As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. And this time we get to be joined by another, a fellow Apple MLS broadcaster. We don't get to do broadcasters very often anymore. It's normally we're kind of honed in on what's going on with Minnesota United. So appreciate you taking the time. This is Frederick Lord, who is with Montreal, but we know you're all things MLS, all things yeah. soccer. I don't even want to I don't even want to just pigeonhole you into one thing. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks for having me. First time caller, long time fan, like especially of you, of your technique and everything. And this year you're paired with uh, the most beloved man in MLS, probably Kevin Egan, one of Kevin. everyone's friend. What a, yeah, what a right? mensch. What a mensch. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, is it Kevin Egan, Kevin Patrick? You know, we're trying to keep it straight. He's got these like alter egos between calling MLS <laughs> games with me and doing the 360 you know, the studio show and then also yeah. his WWE foray that he you know, exactly. turns into some other person on Monday night. So, so yeah, it's been a blast. It's been, a, it's a different journey for sure. So how has the the journey been for you? Because you've been broadcasting for a long time, you know, and, and we're both, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm old. So, you know, <laughs> when you've been around this long and you have all these different iterations of what your career and your yeah. path takes, how did you get into it? Why soccer? Why Montreal? Like, how how was that path for you? Do you want a full story? I'm actually I'm 42, so I'm still. I, I think I, 42 is the new 28. I think. Yeah, I agree. So, I, I agree. I'm uh, there. I'm right there with you. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I was a sports fan forever, and I come from a background of journalists. And my grandfather was a journalist. He owned like newspaper. I still have his is a newspaper front page in my office also uh so i've always been into journalism and especially sports journalism and at one point i um i don't know i, I was a big soccer fan also and i went i worked at the cbc or radio canada which is the uh, con country main ne network here and uh, i decided to just like get on the beat of the um, montreal impact i wasn't even uh, paid for it but I was like going in my free time to practices and I know that some, uh, the union didn't, didn't really like it, but I was still producing stuff out of it. And then there was a new network that like came along in Montreal. It's called the TVA Sports, which is a uh, part of the biggest media, mediatic group in, uh, in Canada, in Quebec, actually, I would say. And I, they just hired me uh, out of the blue. It was like my big break. And I learned uh, on air. I was uh, like, yeah, I'm so grateful I could have learned on air. And I think uh, I'm telling you that because it, um, it it's telling about my relationship with our uh, audience here. I think they grew with me. They come to love the club a little bit more. We went to all those phases with like Divayo, Drogba, Piatti, and 
uh, we developed a bond also that was a that's super interesting and I think precious at the moment. Well, yeah, that's my that's my yeah, in short my story. You know, I love that though because I think um, and it's so different the paths these days with all these broadcast journalism schools and these different opportunities for you know students and kids and people to have these yeah. internships and get like real time experience and you have all these student U networks at all these universities which never existed when I was around. So it was the same thing. You're just like pounding the pavement and knocking on doors and like, Hey, where can I get my foot in the door, whether I get paid or not, but it's something that you're passionate about. And when you can yeah. turn something that you're passionate about into an actual career, and then on top of it, you get paid at the end of the day. It's yeah. like, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better than that. It's really a sinuous path for me. Cause I was like in theater early in my early twenties, I was in community radio. Also had a, like a weird sports show and somebody, somebody from the CBC heard that weird Sports show. It was called Abu Souf from the Jean-Luc Godard movie. So it was like kind of a blend of like, and they liked it. And they hired me for uh serious on their serious radio, satellite radio. I wasn't listen, like nobody would listen to it uh, except for two or three truckers that were would like uh, commute from like out of, all across the United States and call in for uh, to talk to me and would would to talk and chat forever with those guys. That was, yeah. that was an amazing time actually and great learning experiences. I was just going to say that I think sometimes too, when you start in radio, it gives you a different, a very different perspective oh, yeah. than when you yeah. just jump straight into TV and, you know, you have to fill some of those voids when people can't see what's happening and you're in the conversational aspect of it. And, um, you know, just learning different things like inflection and tone and the back and forth and being just sort of real rather than when it's on TV and it can feel a little more scripted when yeah. you're doing pre and post and half and everything else. So, you know. I'm going to send you flowers for that, but that's what I, from you, like rhythm and, and your technique with your voice is, uh, is amazing. That's, uh, yeah, well, thank that's you. something I that I like that. from your broadcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that is, it is, you know, it's just one of those things you try to, nobody's ever going to like everything you do, right? I mean, that's the nature yeah. of the beast. We all see it now on social media and Twitter, you know, people have their their preferences. But I want to talk a little bit about that foray into into soccer, into Montreal. And at the time, it was the impact. You just named some insane players that have gone through that city and been a part of the soccer history there. You've been there broadcasting, you said, for 12 years, correct? As exactly, as a yeah. As a commentator as a broadcaster yeah 15 years with the impact all in all all in yeah yeah so what's the journey been like what has that iteration what has the you know how has the club evolved and then you know every club goes through some ups and downs every team every club has its challenges whether it's ownership and stadium and fan bases and other teams coming in and the expansion of the league when you got to see all of it firsthand so what's that been like from from your seat uh, I don't know. That's uh, super interesting. It's been a, a real roller coaster because we had like some great moments, and it's part of the uh, identity of the club. It's a club that like uh, uh, really passionate, and it's another word for uh, impatient. Also, <laughs> but like in sports, when you hear that's that's one thing I say on my podcast. When you're passionate, it's uh, it's a cold word for uh, I don't know being uh, too uh, for I don't know for rage or uh, impatience. Um, so it's been, uh, uh, they, they've dreamed big, uh, with the, the drug thing with the Divayo, they've dreamed big with the stadium at first and Mr. Saputo, uh, the Saputo family was, uh, I've been front and center for, uh, that city and for that club for the last 30 years. And during MLS, there've been some up and down. Jesse Marsh was here. It was his yes. first, uh, gig in mm-hmm. MLS. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not forget that. And, 
uh, yeah, and there was the pandemic. There was a, a rebrand also that really infuriated the base here. And we're on the other side of that pandemic. And uh, like now is uh, Gabriel Gervais, who's the now the new president. He uh, he's the pilot in that boat at the moment, and I think he's kind of right. He's writing up the ship, uh, meaning uh, that that. The team is uh, re-embracing his Montreal roots. Uh, they find with Olivier Renard a new technical director that can like have a real project, taking potential out of the league, especially, and just letting him bloom on the field. We saw that with Mihailovic. We saw that with Johnston. Even Kamal Miller, who's in Miami now, they're trying to do that this year with Duke and Campbell. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. And I think uh, the public has responded uh great so far because uh, the for the last few games it's been sold out in the stadium i think there's a good, a good ambience and we're trying to i think the club is trying to embrace a little bit more what makes it different from the league i think it's a real asset for the league montreal because there's no market like this one even in toronto and vancouver which are the other two other canadian markets uh, it's a francophone market here. The only one in MLS. Uh, it's really different. Uh, American players, when they come here, they're a bit like, uh, I don't know, they feel like they are they have one foot in Europe, one foot in, yes. in America. Yes. Also. Yep. That's a, so mm -hmm. that's something that's, I, I think it's a strength of the club. And mm -hmm. at the moment with Gabriel Gervais, like I said, they're starting to embrace it. And that's, uh, as a Montreal and myself, uh, uh, that's kind of fun at the moment. Yeah, that's what you want. You want people to embrace the city, whether it's people that are coming in as, you know, from whether they're Americans coming and playing in Montreal or whether it's, you know, players that are international and coming into that city. It does have a real mm -hmm. international vibe to it. It's unlike pretty much any other city in North America, to be honest, that has an yeah. MLS team, I should say. Um, and, you know, and I do think, too, like when you what was the vibe around the changes that happened in the offseason because Montreal's coming off, you know, a fabulous 2022. Yeah. You know, Wilfred Nancy doesn't stick around. A bunch of players are sold. Didn't know if they brought the players in that they needed to fill those voids, but mm. everybody, it's this transfer game, right? You're trying to get, exactly. trying to get money for quality, but you still got to replace the quality that you're selling off. And so what was the vibe? And now you have Hernan Lozada, who's sort of starting to maybe find his groove a little bit. What's the, what's the he overall is, He is at the moment. Uh, you, you might have asked this question to many people and you have, probably different answers uh i would insert into uh two part the the players leaving mihailovic and uh johnston like i said and kone uh pe people were at peace with that and super happy because i told you about the olivier renard's project yeah. people understand that montreal is going to be a, a stepping stone or is it's going to be a club that like will bring uh, people up uh, players up and then let them go and let them have like a bigger bigger careers elsewhere it's kind of the appeal of montreal at the moment for certain players mm -hmm. bryce duke probably yes. came to montreal because he saw uh, what we did with those players mm -hmm. and what montreal did with those players and uh, as it served as a yeah stepping stone for europe the big one was wilfred N uh, nancy it was uh blurry i still think uh, around the mls uh, nobody has a firm grasp of what happened but it was the best uh um, season in the history of the club in mls mm -hmm. and you can debate also in the in his 30 years history it was a great season wilfred nancy was uh from montreal from the academy from remy gard uh, uh, wilmer cabrera mauro biello and and Thierry Henry's, and he paid his due. 
And at there was one game, this infamous game last year against Kansas City. Uh, there was an argument between Mr. Saputo and Wilfred Nancy. A, a line were, was crossed. And, and Nancy vowed to never work again for that club, actually. And so, uh, yeah. So And people were like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. When I, when, when I said passionate, people in Montreal were like, once again, that passion or that rage uh is like we're sh sh shooting ourselves in our own foot yes. and that was the feeling at the start of the season and when losada came in he was like the new dad coming in and everybody was like hey, he's not my dad actually yeah. you'll never be my <laughs> you'll never be my dad yeah and it took a few games for even some of the players last year's player especially to really embrace the new project and the new uh what losada was saying and we hit rock bottom uh, april 1st and april 8th uh, vancouver and new england i don't know if you know the score five mm -hmm. nothing and four mm -hmm. nothing i was on mm -hmm. those game making the calls and was like that season is going to be ugly because mm -hmm. they they got piled, they got like killed on the pitch, mm -hmm. and there was like no ideas, nothing. And after those two games, all the players were like, "We now understand that we're not the team from last year. We're that team with eleven new players. Eleven. That's not nothing. Eighteen players under twenty-four. It's a pretty young team, Montreal." So uh, they kind of embraced Losada's uh, message from that from that point on, and you 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 see the difference at the moment, and you see the connection between the players and the coach. You see the connection even more at the moment because they're winning, obviously. But that between helps. the coach and the fans, uh, they've uh, the last two or three games you see Losada going to the fans, the fans embracing Losada. And he's a nice, he's a nice guy actually. Uh, but the first month or so in the season, uh, I was worried that everything would would like sink at the boat uh, bottom of the ocean, and we will never like we we would have to write this uh, that uh, twenty twenty three season off. Well, that is that is the challenge. I mean, he stepped into a difficult situation when you come yeah. off of twenty twenty two, where it's the best possibly in the club's history, and and the way that they parted ways, and as we've all seen with Wilfred Nancy, like. He's a man that believes firmly in what he believes and whether that's his style of play or his philosophy or whatever was said, that he was sticking to his guns in that moment. And we've seen it now even when Columbus, when he's walked in and trying to do what he's doing there. So he was a very, I, I think, going back to that passionate or that rage or whatever, you, it falls on ownership side. Sometimes it falls on coaching sides and managerial, yeah. and sometimes it's players. But I do think probably the best thing that could happen was the players just embracing and understanding we are not who we were last year. Yeah. And the coach is not the same philosophy. So the quicker we come to that conclusion and we can move on and start embracing what Lozada is trying to do, then hopefully this, because otherwise it was going to be a real long 2023. Exactly. And it seems like, yes, coming off, not a great performance against the Philadelphia Union, but nobody, you know, a lot of teams don't beat the Philadelphia Union. So when well, you look at they this. They rotated, going, though, against the Union. Have to, like, it was like the B team. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. and you have to because of the nature of the schedule right now. Yeah. I mean, everybody with you guys had Canadian Championship, and then you know you've got these, you know, you've got um, Concacaf Nations League, all these things coming up, Leagues Cup, like everything that's being thrown in here, and then Gold Cup. You know, there's there's no slowing down for this season, whether it's between international call ups or whether it's just within MLS and what everyone is is dealing with. So the rotation of the squad and then finding your depth is going to be the next key piece on, you know, putting in and trusting some of those players to be able to step in in those moments mm -hmm. um, and fill in without missing a beat. So when you look ahead and you talk about this matchup this coming weekend, what do you see? What what does that look like from your vantage point? And now that you you just told me for Apple even, 
that you're kind of be kind of with Montreal, which is like a yeah. a benefit in the sense that you can really have the inside scoop on what is going on with this club. Yeah. Not that you didn't already, but rather than like, oh, every week, you know, two different teams trying to make sure that you're doing it justice on the broadcast and diving into everything. What do you see from the matchup coming up this weekend? Uh, it's uh, all depends on Canadian Championship also, because uh, uh, Losada, and that's what uh, something that's something that uh, people here in Montreal really loved about Losada. A lot and of pride, really insist pride, and it insisted on like uh, getting a cup and getting something. Uh, yes. Yeah, in that uh, in that stadium. So uh, it will depends. Will they come as Canadian champion on Saturday, or will they uh, be a little bit uh, deflated by uh, a defeat to Vancouver? So uh, that's uh, that. The game on Wednesday will tell us a lot about the game on Saturday. That's what I think. Uh, he turned. He um, he rotated also a lot. So I don't know. Uh, you're t talking about load management. Uh, yes. There's been a lot of injuries. Uh, it's it's been true for a lot of teams at the moment, but I think Montreal, Kyoto, with mm -hmm. that, like it's the least they spent like ten million dollars. It's the the team that is, uh, spent the least on players in MLS yeah. this year, uh, Montreal, and uh, they still have a great project and they still want to uh, find potential in those players. But at one point in sports, when you don't spend, yes. you, like you you come short really fast. And without Kyoto, without Piet. Uh, without Mason Toy at the moment, also uh, you can tell that there's a shortage shortage of uh, players and resources, uh, especially up front, because it's one of the least. Uh, I don't know. They don't shoot that much. Uh, they don't score that much. Montreal, and they have to grind the, those victories at the moment. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, that's the two things that I foresee at the moment. Uh, are they going to come on Saturday as a Canadian champion and like maybe surf on that? wave on that feeling yes. or mm -hmm. uh and who will be available also at that point who's like uh in top shape to uh to get ready because there's some players like uh like Lasseter and Herrera on both sides yeah. of the pitch there uh the you need them at the moment to uh to get a win in in MLS well and you just said it I mean they play a game on Wednesday in the Canadian Championship Minnesota United does not have the midweek game as they were bounced in U.S. Open Cup a week or so ago at Houston, but the same thing, you know, I mean, this is the stage in, in MLS where the Canadian championship and us open cup, everybody's putting all the, they, everybody wants to win some piece of silverware. And exactly. those, those trophies are important. They have a history. There's a, a long line of, of lineage of, you know, a hundred plus years with us open cup, the Lamar hunt. So same thing with Canadian championship. There's a lot of pride in that and having that confidence. So it could go one of two ways for Montreal based on the Vancouver game and you just said it, it could be riding high from a win or mm -hmm. then the next thing is just the the depth and the health of the players. You're not just talking like, are you 100% 90-minute match fit? You're like, no. can you hobble out there and take up a space and give us 60? You know, it's kind of yeah. at that stage with the depth. There's some really important players that have given like uh, lots of money that uh, that have given lots of time to that team. Mathieu Chouinier in, in midfield, Victor Wanyama in midfield. Also, they, I think they played like pretty much all the minutes, uh, all, like a thousand minutes in a month. That's uh, oh that's insane. Goodness. Same for uh, Rudy Camacho, who got who like received. Uh, uh Christian Benteke in the chest two uh Ugh. two or three nights ago. Like and he had trouble sleeping. Last time I was telling him he was like, I'm still bruised here. He got like Benteke's knee right in Ugh. in the middle of the, the stomach. So he had like trouble and couldn't play. So is he gonna play on Wednesday? And he's he's been instrumental in, in the middle of, the, of that back tree, also Camacho. So 
yeah, it's all about health and uh, maybe yeah, mentality for Saturday. Well, and I think it's that's a great point too because it's it's always finding. I at least I've noticed with MLS rosters is everybody wants this international flair, you know, go out and get the big money players. But at the same time, if you're spending money that's not well spent and they don't fit into the system and they're not great in this league, it's a different animal. The travel, the climate change. I don't care where yeah. you played before. And then on top of it, you know, you you they have to fit into the system and the style. So you have to have this like really delicate balance of quality veteran MLS guys that get it and understand. And, and oftentimes they're North American or American players or, and then the, the combination of some of the flair of the, the South American influx and the European and, the, and even the South African players that we're seeing sort of come into this league and trying to find that balance. Yeah, you can see that. And you know, it's always a, a weird time when like MLS players release their salary list. But <laughs> you, you do you do the you do the work all the time or you, you look at that. And I know that the players look at it also. In Montreal, you have the, a guy like Hamad Hamzi who, who like earns three times the, the salary of Mathieu Chouinier, but like doesn't play half of the minutes that he plays it. And that's that's really a really important thing. And I think that Olivier Renard and Vasily Kremanzidis, which is his assistant, really understood that and like made sure that they're going to get like some players potential within the league. And that's the that's one thing that Montreal has done really well. Like identifying players that are maybe not playing that much in other clubs and just getting those players and being the stepping stone for them. You know, speaking back, I just want to ask you another quick question about the depth. What do you see about the youth movement there? You know, there's so much made now about MLS Next Pro and the academies and the twos and trying to put all this emphasis on growing the league within and the young players. And, yeah. you know, it used to be just about homegrowns, but it's kind of, you know, divulged into this academy thing. What do you see about that? Because the connect, some of that depth come from those places or is Montreal not quite at that level yet it's something that i'm really worried about actually because i was really a big fan of the academy pre-pandemic and they um they fired the the head of the academy and there was like during the pandemic there was like a, a kind of an in-between uh fast forward to, to 2023 we uh, montreal is the only team without uh, mls next pro yeah. team so that's a problem i think for uh for This, uh, I know that Olivier Renard has been like defending this system, but it's uh, something that like will hurt them in the not so uh, near, not so long future, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, we have talent, we have the coaches, but you have to have the stepping stone. You want to make sure also that the player stays within the academy at 17, 18, 19. Yeah. And you see some players trying to leave, trying to have some uh, tryouts elsewhere. Maybe there's a CPL also. So mm -hmm. you're losing some players. And you don't have also the late bloomers that can help your um your um roster like yeah. um, like joel waterman which is not a product from the academy but he was like poached from the cpl at 22 yeah 23. absolutely same thing for matsu chouania who's coming into mm -hmm. his own at 24 uh you have to 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 blossom like that you have to have minutes and those 19 year old uh, rida zuir is an example at the moment he wasn't playing that much the last two years uh they uh, loaned him to san antonio i think it's a good it's good for him but i'm not think i don't think it's sustainable for that academy to produce like they wanted to produce and don't don't have a mls next pro team at the moment so it's uh, it's a bit worrisome i know also that the budget is really different from if you say toronto we always sure. look at what toronto does they have 
yeah but they're like what, a budget like, in the east you know yeah. i mean that's what that goes back to the point of it doesn't always pay to, to pay you know exactly. you gotta get the right guys exactly but as a team who uh, wants to uh, give uh, space to young players yeah. and who wants to uh embrace the city also i think they should do a little bit more with the with the academy so but they're sure. still loaning players to the cpl it's, For now, it's working. Jonathan Sirois, the, the goalkeeper, was the last two seasons in CPL. So to be fair, it can work also. There's ways it can work. And if Olivier Ona was here, he would probably chastise me for being so worried about that academy. But I'm still, it's something that, and it doesn't look good on your club, I, I think, as a partner in MLS to be the only team without an MLS Next Pro team. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's some, there's, yeah, there's, there's a some balance, right? Yes, yeah. there's there's a balance. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, when I was working the MLS Cup final last year and you talk about two different teams, the way the Philadelphia Union builds their team, and the way LAFC builds their team. And yeah. so there is not one path to success. No, yes. Exactly. Is it nice to build within and, and produce your own players and then whether they play for you for a little bit and then you sell them off and you can profit from that. And then you just know that you have this stream of depth kind of coming in and quality and they're in your system and they understand the expectations like Yes, that can be incredibly helpful, but there's not one way to get there no. at the end of the day. And I think there's, again, going back to the pride of the city and the in the, the soccer culture in Montreal and what it has been there. There's pride in kids that like there's a thing about wearing the crest, about wearing the badge. And you hear it in these other cities and these other places that um, that, you know, if they grew up going to a Chicago fire game and now they're wearing a Chicago fire crest, there's something to be said for that. And there's like a real sense of pride in it. So if maybe Montreal can find that balance and get to that point, then I think there's a different evolution in the fan base and the passion and the supporters and wanting to have their family. Yeah. I mean, you got 50 people at a game, you know, if you're coming yeah. through a homegrown, you know, you're saying, yeah, you're saying tickets also to, uh, right. Exactly. You family. got your 50 family <laughs> members for one kid that's showing up to watch, to exactly. watch that game because they, that's what they grew up with. So, yeah. But I know um, that well, some, I, like with this man, some of the clubs here that he played for are really happy and they really, uh, he was playing for Saint Laurent. They're really putting that in the forefront. He's now in the premier league. Like, look, that's the guy from, And we're we're part of that uh, of that soccer world, you know. We're yes. not like second class citizen. We're uh, like yeah, full citizen yeah. of that uh, soccer, especially with Canada, the World Cup also, and everything. Yes, you can see the the ball the ball is rolling. Yes. Yeah, so we got the women coming up this summer. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, this, you know, so yeah, the 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 ball is rolling and it's it's fully. I think you know it's fully embraced. And seeing the men at the World Cup last summer was something to behold. I know it didn't end the way they wanted, but the way they got there was pretty phenomenal. Finishing finishing at the top of Concacaf, and that was fun to see. So, yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm looking forward to Saturday's game. We'll see how the Canadian Championship turns out. What Montreal team shows up? I know it's always a little tricky when you get West East. These guys don't see each other that often. Um, so it's, but it's also MLS. So anybody can beat yeah. anybody on any given night and it's a total crap shoot. <laughs> you never know what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of the league, right? Yeah. yeah that's uh yeah, that's the beauty of the league and every, everybody can beat everyone on every night. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a strength of that MLS, I think. Right. Exactly. That, that manufactured parody that they've done so well, but it makes yeah. it makes people tune in. That's why we want to watch. And I appreciate you taking the time today. And um, I'm going to go from one. From one Canadian to the next, I got Dane St. Clair next. So oh. the goalkeeper for Minnesota United is going to be hopping on here and we're going to get his his take on the upcoming weekend game, chat, chat a little Canadian soccer as well. And I look forward to your call on Saturday and uh, we'll be tuning in tonight for the Canadian Championship as well. It is Wednesday today, isn't it? It is. It okay, is. Okay. It's tonight. 
Okay, yeah. just just in making Vancouver. sure it's all a blur what day of the week it is. So I'll look forward <laughs> yeah. to Montreal's result tonight, and uh, we'll see you on the call on Saturday as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so it's much. A Have a great rest of your day. From graduation parties to corporate luncheons, we all have special occasions that could use a special host location. Regardless of the event, Allianz Field is the perfect spot for you with a variety of unique spaces to choose from, including the roof deck, stadium club, owner suite, and more. Minnesota United's home ground has a space to fit any kind of gathering. Give your event the professional treatment it deserves. Learn more and book your spot at Allianz Field today by visiting mnufc.com slash private events. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to segment number two of Sound of the Loons. We go from one Canadian, Montreal's commentator, Frederick Lord, to another Canadian in Dane St. Clair, goalkeeper extraordinaire for Minnesota United, Canadian's men's, Canadian men's national team. Um, but, you know, you and I were just talking before we started recording. I know we're going to deep dive into Montreal in the season. You can break it all down, the, the clean sheets and everything else. But first and foremost, I'm, we're just going to give the, the listeners and the viewers what they want. You've got a new grill. You got to tell me what what kind of grill and what is your like go to? Are you like a fish, steak, chicken, mm-hmm. you know, kebab guy? What what do we got going on so, there? So I got a Traeger. So um, oh okay, kind of kind of kind of new to me with the with the pellet grill. So I've kind of been playing around with it a little bit still. I just bought some ribs the other day, so hoping to to make those uh, either today or tomorrow. But um, yeah, I think kind of just. It's a new setup for me, so just kind of playing around with things, various different. I mean, it's the opportunities are endless. You can make pizza on it, so I definitely that definitely want to try to do that as well. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that'd be real tough to screw up. I could be wrong, but like the Traeger too, is that like smoker and a grill, and then like set it and forget it? But you got to have patience because sometimes it's going to take you like eight hours or yeah, yeah. So you can you can kind of set it as a grill if you want to you can set it low for a smoker it's it goes all the way up to 500 so it's you, you can play play your roles with that i did a reverse here on a steak the other day that that, that turned out pretty nice um but yeah still kind of just playing around with it and talking to my other friends that that have have some boxy got one too so we've kind of been talking and trying to attempting different things and see what works and whatnot Sharing some recipes. Well, it's funny too, because I feel like with all the different cultures too, like you might have some great input, you know, I mean, even Zarek, right. Just spent time in Houston. Maybe he's got some thoughts on like what, what they did down in Houston with the barbecue. Mm-hmm. And then you've got South Americans, they might have a different flair on what works and what doesn't. And then I don't know if you want to ask guys like Robin or anything. I don't know what they grill in <laughs> Finland, but you know, you might, you might just want or what New Zealand, I guess, what was the, what was mm-hmm. the theme there? Yeah, he 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 said he did he did uh the reverse here of the steak, which kind of gave me the the idea to try it. Nice. Um, But yeah, I feel like his his wife's like a nutritionist or yeah, that's true, right? So he's gotta he's gotta have some kind of good food over there for sure. Well, yeah, but you gotta have some flavor on that bad boy. You know, I mean, it's probably a little high in sodium for (laughs) Libby. She's she's incredibly healthy. She's a very healthful person and. 
Um, so I, I appreciate what she brings to the table. I'm sure that probably helps keep Boxy in check a little bit. So um, let's talk about you. What's 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 your summer look like? I know we've got Minnesota's schedule. We know what that looks like. We know where you guys are sitting in the table. You know, you got a game coming up Saturday against Montreal, a team that you don't see very often. Eastern Conference going across the border back to sort of your roots in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, Canada's a big country, so we can't just lump it all in one. But what what's the summer look like for you coming up? you got a lot, lot going on this summer with international duty as well. Yeah, they just released the roster today. We got a uh, Nations League, so after that Montreal game, be heading over to to Vegas for that um those two games there, and hopefully to be to be lifting a trophy at the end of it. And then um, a few days later, Gold Cup starts up, so looking part to looking forward to to be a part of that um, squad as well. And then come back to Minnesota, and we got Leagues Cup, so <laughs> a, a, a lot of tournaments this summer for sure, and and a lot of football to be to be played for sure, but um. It's the it's the nice weather in Minnesota, and this is the, the time you want to be outside and be playing too. Thank goodness, my gosh! I don't even care if it's ninety degrees and humid out after the what we just suffered through. I was like, I've I'm one hundred percent fine with going out and sweating every day. I don't know how you guys feel at training, but that's kind of how I feel out walking out the door. I'm like, after what we just went through, like, give me all the heat and humidity. I don't even care. Yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, you're from Toronto, like you like the cold, and I'm like. I know how to deal with the cold. That doesn't mean I like it. I, I like to say my dad's in the Caribbean. I have Caribbean blood. I don't like the cold. I like when it's it's hot. I'm like, I'll take 90, 90 degrees versus, versus 20 any day of the week. Exactly. I was just going to say, yes, you're from Toronto. You're from Canada. But like you have your, Jama- you know, you have your Caribbean roots. Excuse mm-hmm. me. I don't want to say Jamaica. You have your Caribbean roots. So like at the end of the day, I mean, I grew up my whole life in Minnesota. It doesn't mean I like cold weather. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're just because you got stuck there because your parents chose to go there doesn't mean that you have to like it. So exactly. I'll, just, I'll take just know how to deal with it. Exactly. I mean, you got people like Angie Blaker who like <laughs> thrives in it and loves it. And I'm like, girl, you got to get out, you know, in, in the, in the winter time here, but she loves hmm. it. Um. So talk to me about the season. I mean, we, we, let's talk a little bit about the evolution and because we all know the adversity you guys faced in the beginning and, you know, Emmanuel Reynoso not coming back. He's back in. He played. I did the last game you guys had on Saturday. He stepped on the field. We all know his qualities on the field. But what you guys, did you feel like anyways that this group, it wasn't about who wasn't there. It was about who was there. And then you guys got off to that fantastic stretch, hit a little bit of a lull um, after the Chicago loss, dipped a little bit, you know, crazy condensed schedule, U.S. Open Cup games, all sorts of stuff going on. So how did you feel like you guys have navigated? What are we in match day 17 or 18 now? Cause you guys already had a buy on the season. So how do you feel like you guys have come out of that? We're almost like halfway through technically the regular season. Yeah, I think um, we had no choice, but to focus on the guys that were here because we didn't know when he was coming back. And if the se- when, when the season starts, you, you, you can't afford to wait because I think um, gathering up some of those early points is kind of can set the tone for the season. And, of course, we went through that 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 bad stretch, um, kind of shortly after that. But I think our games early on were able to provide us some breathing room, and of course, we're looking to go on another unbeaten stretch for sure to to try to push up on the table because we're definitely not where we want to be. But at the same time, um, we could have been off much worse than we are. Well, and then you're looking at at the performance yourself. How would you rate your season? Because you every year since the day you came in, since the day you were drafted, you know, you always wanted that starting role, confident in your abilities, coming from Maryland, a national championship, you know, like getting drafted in 2019, trying to work your way back in, starting lineup, not starting lineup, Tyler Miller goes away. 
but you always know that there's more work to be done. How would you evaluate now that you're, what are you in your fourth season as a pro 19, 20, 21, 22, fifth season yeah. as a pro, like how, how would you evaluate where you're at? And you were on the Canadian men's national team roster at the world cup. I mean, how would you evaluate where you're at? Yeah. I think the last kind of 12 months have, have been a whirlwind. Um, probably 18, honestly, to be honest, because from not starting last year at the beginning of the season and really thought that, that I deserve to be to, to getting an opportunity and making the most of it to, all-star to I was just gonna say I forgot the all-star thing I forgot the all-star the MVP yeah yeah and then um going going into this um season I think uh obviously it was it was a short off season for me with the with the World Cup so kind of just kind of formulating getting my my body and 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 mind right and I think uh it's been difficult at times but at other times I think we've done well I mean looking at our clean sheets. We we have as many clean sheets this year as we did last season as a whole. So I think that's definitely a, a positive um, with the amount of goals we're let, letting in, letting in right now. And of course we want to continue to keep that low. And I think there's definitely a few that I would always want back, but I think uh, every goalie always, always has a few as well. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to, to what, what the rest of the season has. And, and this long summer, like I said, it's coming up and it's going to be a busy time. So Definitely. I mean, it feels like it's been busy behind us, but it's also busy looking forward as well. When you look at your back line or the back line in front of you, and I, we all know the defense starts at the front, right? It's about the pressure from the forwards and the midfield and who's holding it down from a holding midfield position, which has kind of rotated a little bit. You know, Will Trapp is mm-hmm. relatively consistent. Sonny Dotson's coming back in after his ACL, but then you've got players like Rosales that's pinched in there. And then, you know, um, Robin goes down with an injury, but you've got uh, Mickey Tapias and Michael Boxel who have been the mainstays in that center back role this season. How do you think that has gone? How has Tapias done stepping in? I know DeBassi is, is training, but who knows when he'll be available and back, but to have another, you know, left footed, left center back, whatever that looks like. How, how has that gone for you with the back four in front of you, which is traditionally what you guys play with? Yeah, I think um, with Bakai going down at the end of last year and knowing that his injury was going to carry on to this year, it was going to be important for the team to get a naturally left-footed center back because I think um, just in terms of a comfort and confidence level, um, not only for the player, but for the guys around it and the way that we want to play, utilizing our outside back so much, it's it can be difficult to play to play on your off foot. And I think um, when guys have done it, they've, they've done well, but it's it's definitely a lot easier um, when when that's the situation. I think he's come in and, and done well. And I think um, this year at the back, we've been – a lot more organized and, and disciplined and uh, not really giving up as much as we, we have in the past. Well, and you look at that, and it's not just about being a left-sided, left-footed center back or outside back. I mean, Kamar Lawrence missed the last matches. You go back again to a lot of miles and minutes on these guys, and Zarek and, D- and DJ were flip-flopping. Devin Pedelford comes on. I don't know what is up with the mustache. I don't know if you need to talk to him, if he got that from Diego or what is going on there? Like, what's the evaluation of that? But it was nice to see a player like that get his MLS major league debut in his hometown, homegrown. You know, I think I read an article that said he was like working at the concession stands before, and now he's mm-hmm. out there playing. I thought I thought he did well in that match. I mean, what did you make of his his debut in MLS? Yeah, I think um, it kind of goes back to when he when he first kind of came in preseason last year, actually, when he didn't even have a contract yet, and I think he kind of worked and showed showed himself and really earned it earned the contract with 
how he was doing. Cause I think uh, at first he kind of came with the mindset of like, I'm just going to kind of train. Like he was committed to university. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of been a crazy 12 months, 18 months for him as well. But I think everything that he's done, he's kind of earned and a lot of guys have kind of taken him under the wing and he's, he's kind of just soaked up all the information and, I think uh, his debut was definitely deserved and based on the circumstances in a situation like that. I mean, I think he thought he was going to be traveling with the second team up until a couple of days before the game when, when Kamar got uh, hurt, unfortunately, but he's definitely earned it. And yeah, the stash, I mean, he actually shaved it off, but I was like, did he? yeah, he did. I was like, you got the biggest shout out for, for, from Tom Bogger. And then, and then you go and shave it off. I was like, that's gotta be your MO now. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, people tell me like, you can't cut off your blonde hair. I was like, you had your MO, like you had the stash, like that was going to be your look, but he's, he's decided to shave it off, but knowing him, you know he'll what, probably though? grow it back again. You know what though? I give him some credit that like he gets this big shout out and then he's like, no, I'm doing my own thing. You know, like he's not keeping it because someone else like that, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows what behind went behind it. Maybe he has a girlfriend that was like, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> you know I mean? It's such to say what dictates those things these days, but especially coming on in his debut, he played well. Um, but yeah, so it was fun to see him get those minutes. And I think when um, you can probably appreciate this, cause I know, you know, coming through the draft, like when you have those opportunities, you, you, all you can do is be prepared and take advantage of it. And you know, that be ready, like, right. That's, that's all you can do. There's not much else you can say like, Hey, you've been doing this your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's next level, but do what you know, you know, you're good at it. You're here for a reason. And then just go out and get the job done. And he seems like a likable kid. No, no, for sure. I think I'm um, definitely a, a, a great locker room guy and everyone on the team, I think, was kind of happy for him that that he got his opportunity. I think obviously the 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 loan situation is a little difficult with the amount of games that you can you can be called up for. So I kind of think he got he got called up one before and I was like, just kind of be ready because you might come in. You know what I mean? Like you kind of got to utilize when, when they utilize these loans, it's it's tough because you know what I mean? You're, it's tough to utilize it and then not play. So I was just like, I know when you're in, in the back, in the back, you normally don't substitute that often. But I was like, you have to prepare for this game like like you're going to play and you you deserve it. And and when your time comes, you I know you're going to be ready, but just trying to help him build the confidence and help him out through through the game. And I thought he he played well. Wait, so you're saying the roster mechanisms and the rules for bringing guys up and down from the twos and how many days they can come up and how long it can happen and stuff. You're saying that's complicated? Uh, yeah, every, <laughs> everything. Uh, MLS makes their own rules, so of course it's complicated. I was reading. I've read it so many times now because of the craziness of the schedule and everybody with U.S. Open Cup and all these. And, like, you know, I you know I did Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and they've been, like, decimated by injuries, and they're trying to figure mm -hmm. out who they can call up in these four-day windows and these stints and but then it can't be this much and it can't be that guy, the roster. I'm like, how do these teams not, how are they not in violation every month, every week? Because you just can't even keep track no matter how hard it's, you know, how it's spelled out. Like I understand there's a method sort of behind the madness, but I can't keep track. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough for the players to, to kind of keep up and I've tried to try to do my best job of kind of understanding, but I guarantee a lot of the guys in the league, especially probably the internationals don't understand it at all because they're coming from, from a free market. So I think, um, right. It's definitely very complex and who knows how long that will last. Right, right, exactly. You know, and then sometimes the rules get bent a little bit for certain things. But 
that we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Um, so I want to talk just before we wrap up here, cause I know you got places to be and things to do as we're talking about this crazy schedule is when you look ahead to this summer, we hit on it a little bit, you know, right after Montreal, CONCACAF Nations League, Gold Cup, Leagues Cup, you're catching the tail end of that. There's just a lot going on coming off a of World Cup last summer. When you look specifically at CONCACAF this year, Nations League and Gold Cup, what's, what's, the, what's the feeling amongst Canadian soccer knowing how well you guys did last year. I know the world cup itself didn't maybe go as exactly as you planned, but getting there, the way you got there, finishing at the top of the CONCACAF, how does, what's the outlook for, for Canadian men's soccer right now and the feeling about it? Yeah. I think for us um, internally, it's go win trophies. Um, I think for us, we, we were at the top of, of qualifying last year, but there's no trophy for that. And we want to go this summer and, and win too. And I think we've got a good opportunity to do that. And of course it's not going to be easy, but, our mindset is definitely to, to to go into these tournaments and to reward ourselves with not just playing well because we felt like we played well and we inspired um, at the World Cup, but it's about getting results and, and lifting trophies at the end of the day because this is why we all play is, is to, to win trophies when no matter the competition that we're in. And I think we've laid some groundwork and, and showed that we can compete, but it's about how, lifting that hardware at the end of the day, I think for us. So then the next time that just sort of just randomly led me into the other question, how does Minnesota, I know you can't lift a U.S. Open Cup trophy, but there's still MLS Cup, but how does Minnesota find a way, Minnesota United, find a way to get over that hump? Making the playoffs is phenomenal, you know, four years in a row, getting to the postseason, but you guys, that's not your aspiration. Your aspiration isn't to make it to the postseason. Your aspiration is to continue to climb, win the Western Conference, get into the final, win that. So what is it going to take for this club that you've now been a part of in your fifth season? What do you see that's going to need to happen to find that and, and to get over that hump and continue on in the postseason? Yeah, I think it's a, it has to be a, a mindset shift. I think when I had first come um, my first, my rookie year was the year that we hadn't like made the playoffs before. So that was of course a, a big thing, but I think now looking at it, we've been in Western conference finals. We've been in, the playoffs the last four years, you know what I mean? I think if you ask anyone, would they rather swap out one year of making the playoffs versus winning? Um, they'd take that for sure. And I think we can't be content with just making the playoffs anymore. I think um, it's about, like you said, w winning hardware. And I think that's a mentality shift, not only from the players, but I think uh, around the whole club that, that I think is something that's important and to really kind of demand, demand the most of, of ourselves and, and of each other to, hold ourselves to, to a higher standard in order to, to kind of push for those trophies. I love that because I think that is true. It does. You can't just demand things of others if, if and they, it's not going to work if they don't see that you're demanding it of yourself, you know, it's so that reciprocal nature. Of, and that's the whole point of leadership, whether it's coming from the top or it's coming from the players, or it's coming from a guy that's on the bench that never gets a minute. You know, it doesn't always have to be the superstar guy that's playing 90 minutes a game. It can really come from anywhere that, that whole mentality. And, um, when when you look ahead at Montreal, I just want to hit on it real quick because that's what you've got coming up. And they we just talked about it. They have a Canadian championship game tonight as we're recording this on Wednesday against Vancouver. So who knows what that squad will look like. Is it challenging to play against an Eastern Conference team that you don't see that often? Or is this just the nature of the beast because of the way the league works and you're just prepping for the next game? You guys focus a little more on what you're doing, less on what they're doing. And you just know you got to go there and get the job done. I mean, I'd love it if we if we got to play everyone in the league because I think um, it's tough to to give a trophy at the end when not every team plays against each other. You know what I mean? So I think mm -hmm. um, when you look at 
the schedules, of course, you can argue, well, this team played easier teams or vice versa when you look at the different conferences. So hopefully we can get back to playing every team because you want to, you want to be able to, to challenge against every team and, and to have that as well. But I think um, for me being Canadian, I probably pay attention a little bit more to, to the Eastern conference teams in Toronto and Montreal, of course, having some national team teammates and things like that on those teams. So I feel like I'm pretty prepared, prepared on, on them. But I think, uh, yeah, it's, it could be a, a, a mind shift, but I think where we're at in our season, we need to, play for three points in, in every game and, and to go there. And we've done well on the road um, so far this season, but we can't be content with that. And we need to kind of keep pushing in order to to get some points, I think, especially for me, um, before going into this break, I want to be able to, to kind of provide the team with the most that I can. Awesome. Well, I thank you. You got one homework assignment. You know, next time we chat, maybe you come back with your list of things to grill, what worked, what didn't, some tips and tricks. I, I feel like, I don't know if social digital guys are – at Minnesota United, the folks are listening, you know, make sure you, that it sounds like a good opportunity to like have a grill off or something, you know, some kind of a show, a digital thing there. Once, yeah, we, you know, in your downtime. We've had a couple of, yeah, that's the thing too. It's just, we've been on the road so much. So like, right? I feel like since I've gotten it, I haven't really been able to to use it too, too much, um, unfortunately. And then, yeah, I'm about to be leaving again as well, <laughs> but hopefully to be able to, to use it this week and, uh, looking forward to it. I'll, I'll definitely try to po- post it if it if it turns out good, which which I'm hoping it will. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You can people appreciate the flops too because it's a learn it's a learning lesson. Everybody knows that it's not going to end up perfect. Don't be one of those like Instagram people, Facebook people that like only post successes because that's not real life, right? No, and I think I think that's part of part of the whole cooking thing too. Everyone's like, oh, like how did you get good or like how did you what happened? Because I had a couple of the the second team guys over the other day. Um, and I made some like Caribbean food and they're like, oh, nice. like, how, did, how, how did you become good? And I was like, part of it is just, just trial and error. And you know what I mean? No, no one, you get two people to cook the same dish and they're not going to cook it the same way, whether it's method or seasoning or things like that, but just about kind of playing around with it. And I enjoy doing it too. So it's, it's kind of a fun kind of thing I like to do off the field. I was going to say, it's probably a nice little like stress reliever, relaxing. Everybody's got to have their thing, right? When they're away from, away from the pitch on what, what they do, you know, you can't just video game all the time. So it's (laughs) nice to, nice to have a different hobby. So, well, thanks Dane. I appreciate it. Like I said, I know you guys are insanely busy. I know it's 30 minutes out of your day, right after training. Hopefully you guys had a couple of days after that ridiculous stretch and um, finally no midweek game for you. So that's helpful. So I appreciate it. I mean, I'm sure we we're wish, we're wishing we had a we had a midweek game in the open cup right now. So I mean Well, of course. But I'm just <laughs> saying as far as just like rest for the weary, you know, getting like a couple days, like mentally, emotionally, physically, just kind of get get recharged and reset. But yeah, you you prefer to be playing um last night or tonight in an open cup game, I'm sure. But I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you very much. And good luck the rest of the summer. I don't know when I got you guys next, but I'll be following along with all, all the activities between the Canadian national team and, and Minnesota United. So I appreciate it. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, tune in next week. We got another Sound of the Loons podcast. Hop it up. Uh, I don't know what day we'll do it next week. Maybe Tuesday. Kind of take a look at the schedule. Everybody's got stuff going on, but uh, tune in next week. Hopefully, it'll be after a Minnesota United win over Montreal, another three points north of the border. Have a great day, everybody.